We want so very much, don't we, to think of ourselves as good, as competent, getting it right sort of people. And so we try our best. As Maya Angelou said, we try our best until we know better, and then we do better. <laughs> we are on that course, and still we stumble. And have you noticed that especially people who try so hard to get it right, when we stumble, often we go to great lengths to avoid criticism and try to deflect it when it comes. And what do we do to fend off criticism? I've noticed some classic techniques. Maybe you deny everything. I did not break that dish. Or you launch a legal defense. Well, if the dish hadn't been left so near to the edge of the table, I wouldn't have broken it. Or the ever-popular counterattack. Talk about breaking dishes. We hardly have any left, thanks to you. Or maybe, undeniably identified as the dish breaker, you just withdraw, shut down, and slink away, unable to tolerate making a mistake. And you know I'm talking about much more than dishes, right? I would go so far as to say that for many of us, criticism activates our third rail. You know that expression, right? When it comes to trains, a third rail carries hundreds of volts of electricity that power the train, and if you touch the third rail, disaster, electrocution. And over the years, people in the political world have used this term third rail as a metaphor for issues too hot to handle. Like most issues these days in our political discourse, it seems. So for us, falling short and getting criticized can feel as charged as a volt of jolt of electricity, a third rail kind of shock, because we want to get it right, whatever we think it is. And faced with coming up short, and we will and we do, we tend to deny, defend, or slink off grieved to have been in the wrong. And you know, we see all these same responses today in the Gospel of Mark. A prosperous young man runs up and kneels at Jesus' feet, breathlessly asking, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, You know the commandments and then runs through some of them again anyway. And then the man blurts out, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Hear that? What's he saying? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Pick me, I'm so good. Look at me obeying every law. <laughs> the young man wants very much to be part of everything that Jesus has to offer, including this idea of eternal life, whether he understands it or not. And then, the next part, Jesus, looking at him, loves him. This is beautiful. 
Jesus doesn't love him because he's kept all the commandments since his youth. Jesus doesn't love him in spite of his failings that we're about to hear all about, like holding too tight to money. Jesus just plain loves him, loves him for exactly who he is, the good and the grasping, the generous and the greedy. In that very moment, all the parts of him in that moment, just as Jesus loves each of us in every moment of our lives, including this one right now, including loving you in the worst moments of your life, moments that you wish he couldn't see. To the young man, Jesus proceeds to say this, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. Looking at this man with love, Jesus sees his particular truth that he holds, um, that, that holds him back from fullness of life, from eternal life, and it's that he idolizes money. Hearing Jesus' word, the fellow is shocked, third rail activated, and goes away grieving, for we hear he had many possessions. Yes, he loves Jesus, but he loves his money just as much. And that's his tragedy. Jesus touches this man's third rail for sure because we see the man deny the charge, defend himself, and then slink off. First, the denial. Teacher, I have kept all these commandments since my youth. In other words, I've played by the rules. Next, faced with that ultimate third rail challenge, Okay, then go sell all you own, give the money to the poor. He walks away grieving. That jolt of electricity, Jesus administers the message that, that uh, he needs to remove what stands between him and loving God. It's too much for him to bear. And the disciples are watching all of this, and they get a shock too because uh, the rich man leaves, and then Jesus reminds his friends how Wealth is one of those things that can come between people and God. And how it's easier for, an am for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. An exaggerated way of saying, you know what? Whatever you are clutching so tightly instead of God, that's the very thing that's going to block your passage through the door. The poor disciples can't understand any of this. They think he's warning them about wealth and they're dirt poor and speaking for the group, Peter says to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. And it's true, they have. They laid down their fishing nets. They said goodbye to their family and friends. And defending their behavior, Peter denies that they're anything like that rich man and yet, like that rich man. They want to be seen as good. Look at me, look at me, how good I am. They want to get it right. They want to be right, above criticism, above reproach. They want to be the best. Are they really listening to Jesus? 
because looking at the disciples Jesus says how for mortals the kind of goodness worthy of eternal life is impossible impossible but not for God for it is in God that all things are possible he says in God all things are possible notice again Jesus loves the young man the rich young man and yet grieving he goes away the disciples insist that they've given up everything home friends family but they still can't give up their pride in their self-sacrifice and we we deny not just little things like broken dishes but we deny God's constant call to us follow me follow me follow me like a pulse and why because like the rich man we keep trying to be perfect on our own terms and we end up failing and then we walk away from Jesus because Jesus's way feels too hard and it is it's much too hard it is too hard for us we cannot all on our own no matter how hard we try to be good give up all the things to which we cling whatever they are perfectionism success money grudges some old story about your own victimhood we all have them whatever it is that <laughs> that you and I are lugging around and worshiping like a God we can't seem to lay these burdens down on our own and that's so sad that's what's so sad about when the young man walks away grieving because he lives because he leaves because it's too hard to give up his life of lugging around all that wealth he feels he needs and of course it is he needs God's help and we need God's help first we need to try to hear God's call that follow me follow me follow me pulse God's truth even if it touches and ignites our third rail and jolts us into facing things we don't want to hear about things we don't want to do or surrender and it also forces us to try our best to re resist the impulse to quick break out a defense or run away and hide then if we can manage not to deny not to defend not to slink off what message might we be able to hear this stop trying to be perfect in this life stop clinging to false things and then hating yourself when you fail and then repeating the cycle again and again instead as our AA friends know so well let go let God the young man who visits Jesus wants nothing less than eternal life in other words a life lived close to Jesus now and for 
forever. He wants to ride that wave into eternity. And yet, someone put it very well. They said, eternal life demands everything from us, and it still isn't enough. It's only possible with God. For God, all things are possible, we hear. God loves us when we make the wrong choices and when we walk away. God, still loving us, waits for us, trying new ways to reach us through the people we meet, even the ones who lead us in the wrong direction. God keeps loving us, even when we are so lost and struggling that we don't feel or hear God at all. God is waiting behind every door, ready to use every opportunity. You are perpetually sought out by God. And our job, our one job, is to surrender. And we don't even have to do that on our own. All we really need to do is say, I'm powerless. Please help me. That is the first step to new and expanded life, to kingdom life, to eternal life, starting even now. And you can do it because Jesus is looking at you with love. Amen.